to open your Bibles to Revelation 11. If you're not sure, that's kind of in the back. Now, I have a reputation, I think it's completely undeserved, for being competitive. <laughs> but I want you to know, this is a true statement. Sometimes I let children win. It has, it has been known to happen. Now, I don't like it because, for instance, even years later, somehow they still think they actually beat me. As I, I'm going, you're supposed to understand that I let you. But, you know, in wrestling or arm wrestling, you know, it's fun to arm wrestle with a kid and you just go, oh, 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 oh. I remember a similar thing, different story. I convinced a girl I held my breath on the bus all the way home because I went like this. <laughs> And then I just breathe, but I, you know, <laughs> it's fun. You know, kids are fun that way. You know, running a race. I have even my grandson Noah, who I is 13 now, I think still thinks he beat me at chess. And I'm going, no, 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 no. I, I, that's like beyond the bounds. I think I let him have a draw. <laughs> it's like, you can only go so far. But one of the th- it is fun to let kids think they actually wanted something. It, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's a grandpa thing. I don't know. They go around bragging about how they beat Papa, and they go up to Nana. I beat Papa, and Nana says, ooh, you know, and, and, and we, just, we just have fun. It's, it's, uh, they're so proud, and, and, uh, and Jen, she's proud of me because I was nice that one time, you know. <laughs> So, so last week, we met the two faithful witnesses, right? Uh, today, we're going to see them in action, and they're going to stand for God, and they are going to be literally unstoppable. I mean, Superman could not stop these guys. They are unstoppable until God says they're finished doing what they needed to do, and he allows the beast to destroy them, to kill them. And for three and a half days, the world is going to rejoice and celebrate because the beast won. And then at the end of those three days, three and a half days, they're going to find out, wait a minute, the beast didn't win, because the guys are going to go, get up, and then they're going to go off into the sky. And the whole world's going to see it. And people are going to be left scratching their heads, wondering, what just happened? It actually says they glorify God. I think I'm going to qualify that. Uh, the, the, the truth of this, there's a powerful message in this. Nothing can defeat God. And because nothing can defeat God, nothing can defeat God's people. It, it's, it's, it's not complicated. The message for us is to put on the armor of God, take part in the battle, because if death cannot defeat us, we cannot be defeated. Okay. So let's look at this, the, the unstoppable servants of God. Revelation 11, verses 5 and 6. Uh, and if anyone would harm them, fire pours out from their mouth and consumes their foes. If anyone would harm them, this is how he is doomed to be killed. They have the power to shut the sky that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have the power of the waters. Actually, I'm going farther than I wanted to because I'm going into what they do. First, I wanted to look at the the fact that nobody can hurt them. If anyone would harm them, right? This is the defensive part of what they do. There's two things that we find them doing. There's the defensive part and there's the offensive part. There's the defensive where if somebody wants to harm them, and there's the offensive of what they are doing actively, right? And so first, the defensive part, no one has the power to harm them. And it says, if anyone would, would's an interesting word, W-O-U-L-D. Uh, if you never, I mean, if you never thought about it, you may not realize would is a form of the word will. 
right? And, and not only will as in I will do this, but I have a will to do this. And would is a form of both, the, both forms of will, as, if, as in I will do it and I have a will to do something. And if anyone chooses to attack these two, and if anyone tries to attack these two, he is not going to be successful. If anyone wants to, to attack them, they will defend themselves. And it says fire pours out of their mouths and consumes their foes. Now, you know, the, the Left Behind series has kind of been around a while, and the, the original movies, they've actually it's gone so far that they've come out with a, a remake of the first movie. You go, wow, those things have been around a while if they've d- done that. But this, they made a second Left Behind movie, not, you know, the, the part two kind of thing. And in that one, they had these two witnesses. Who here saw that? It, and in that movie, uh, th- there's a scene where these two witnesses are at the wall and a bunch of guys jump in with their M16s or assault, whatever, or assault rifle, and they're going to shoot these guys, and the guys go, <sighs> and this flamethrower fire comes out of their mouths, and you see the guys rolling on the ground, you know, in, in agony and burning up. And, and they take that, that is, a, that is about as literal as you can possibly get, is an understanding of this. It's possible. I can't say it's not the way it's going to work. Uh, Flamethrowers would be kind of cool. <laughs> Makes me think you need a tic-tac. But, uh, uh, you know, we are looking at figurative speech here. And we have, we have uh, examples from Scripture. If, if we were to go to, to uh, uh, 2 Kings chapter, chapter 2, we find Elijah calling down fire from heaven on his foes. And he speaks the word and the fire comes down. I think that probably makes a better understanding. Still pretty literal. You know, the, the, the words mean something. We, we don't, once we start saying, well, it's figurative, we don't say the words don't mean anything. We never want to forget. Even symbolic words have specific meanings. Okay, they don't mean just whatever you feel like having them mean. They mean specific things. We want to find out what is really being said, not just make up what we feel like it ought to mean. Uh, and, and so uh, we, find, we find fire pouring forth, killing their foes. I think one way or another, these foes are getting killed by fire. Whether it's actual fire coming out like this or they speak the word, the fire comes down. I, I think there's no way around that. And what's really interesting is that that word would does not appear in their response. So the word would is for those who want to hurt them, but there's no would in their response. If anyone would attack them, this is what they do, and fire comes forth from their speech. And it doesn't say fire would come forth. And so I think this is not a hypothetical situation. I think this is a real situation. These two men really will be attacked. People will try to kill them, and they will, one way or another, uh, defend themselves with fire, and, and these people will be destroyed. So if any, the, the, those who would attack them are unsuccessful, but they, in defending themselves, are extremely successful. They are invulnerable. You know, if I can pull out a comic book word, you know, if I can go to Superman, Superman is invulnerable. No matter what you do, you can't hurt him, right? And, and uh, uh, that's, it's these guys. And, and I don't know, you know, someone jumps out and shoots bullets at them. Does he simply miss? Do they evaporate? Do they hit them and bounce off. I don't know. All I know is they, they can't be hurt. You know, that's what we find. Nothing anyone does. People will attack them. People will not hurt them. It, there's, there's, it is not possible for that to happen. So it's not a threat of what will happen or what might happen. As I should say, it's not a threat of what might happen, but a description of what will happen. 
Okay, we, we want to catch that. This is, this is uh, a, a description of actual events, and that's the defensive part. But there is, as there is a defensive part, there's also an offensive part. And it says, they have the power to, right? Verse 6, they have the power to shut the sky, that no rain may fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they desire. And we find, you know, we, we read that and we start hearing a description. I go, that sounds like Moses. You know, Moses, you know, he, he stopped the, the, the uh, he turned the water to blood. I don't remember, did Moses, he made hail fall down. I remember making it not fall. But anyway, uh, my brain may just, uh, I, I, you know, uh, where's Jeremy? Uh, I don't know, I, I don't follow your understanding because I have the hair, but I don't have the brain. So it's, uh, it's co- no correlation whatsoever. Okay, uh, they have the power to shut up the sky. They have the power to turn the waters to blood. They have the power to do every kind of plague. And once again, this, either this is idle talk or they really do it, right? If, 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 if they have the power to do these things and not do them, then what's the point of even saying they have the power to do them? That at that point, it's simply idle talk, empty threats, words that don't mean anything. I think they actually do one of these things. Uh, this, is, this is idle talk if they do not use the power. But if we go back a couple chapters and we look at the events of the seven trumpets, because remember on our timeline, we're dealing with that second half of Revelation. We, we look at the timeline, we look at the events of the second half of Revelation, and we go to Revelation chapter 8. Right? So just back a page in, in, in my Bible, probably the same in yours. You might have smaller print than me and not take as far. Uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 7, the first trumpet. The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown over the earth. You go, wow, that sounds like what's described as the power that the two witnesses have. And we go to Revelation 8, 10, and 11. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the wa- uh, rivers and a third of the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. Many people died from the water because it had been made bitter, and we found they had power to turn the waters to blood. And we have this description, and, and we go, hmm. We go to chapter 8, verse 12, and it says, The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light may be darkened, and a third of the, the day may be kept from shining and we start finding that these things that happen with the seven seven trumpets resemble the powers that are being given by the two witnesses and i can't help but make a connection and say i think the two witnesses are doing this i think it is these two witnesses for whatever reason they're doing these things and they're doing these things and they're happening and you may be going but steve you skipped over one trumpet well that's i did that on purpose i saved it for last Right? Chapter 8, verses 8 and 9, it says, The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures of the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. And you go, well, why did you skip over that one? Well, because throwing mountains into the sea doesn't sound like something we're told the two witnesses have the power to do. On the other hand... Does the Bible talk about throwing mountains into the sea? It's in in the different Gospels, but Matthew 17, 20 says it this way. Truly, truly, I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of mustard seed, and you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, nothing will be impossible to you. And I've, that was one of those, this is one of those things I started wondering about billions of years ago when I was young in my faith, <laughs> uh, young in my Christianity, I, 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 thought, I read this verse and I thought, 
that, is that a useless verse? Because it hasn't happened yet, to my knowledge. I mean, it seems like if that happened, everybody would know. In order for that to happen, it would have to be a huge thing. I mean, God would have to have a real reason. That person can't just out a whim throw a mountain into the sea like he's throwing snowballs. He's got to have a reason that would be sufficient to throw a mountain into the sea. I can't picture it ever happening. Why did he bother to say those words? They're meaningless. Unless someday it would actually happen. And if someday it would actually happen, then all of a sudden the words have meaning. You go, wow, these guys, they're going to do it. I mean, I don't know that, but it makes sense to me. It, it puts scripture together. There's a reason Revelation is at the end of the book. <laughs> you know, it puts the book together. And I think these guys are actually throwing a mountain into the sea. Now, and you go, why? The, the, the world is falling apart at this time. You go, why? Well, I've already talked about the similarity to the plagues of Moses. I wouldn't at all be surprised if, because you know, there's a lot we're not seeing in what's happening. We're getting, we're getting a really brief description of worldwide events. But, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if there are conversations similar to Pharaoh's, Moses' conversations with Pharaoh happening between these men and the beast, or the Antichrist. Where, where they're saying, hey, it, repent. If you don't repent, this is going to happen. And he says, I ain't repenting. I don't care. And, and they say, okay. In the name of the Lord. And, and, and I, I, I can't, I don't know that, but it makes it make sense, doesn't it? Both, both in the things they're doing, why they would do them, and, 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 and how it would, this reflect, why this reflects so much the plagues on Egypt. And, and it's so similar in, in the things that we find. Uh, and, and it makes everything there not just empty words. Because otherwise, there's so many things we look at Scripture and we go, yeah, they say it, but it doesn't mean anything. And all of a sudden we find, no, it, it does mean something. It is real. It is literal. It is something that can happen. What we don't know, as I said, is why we do it. You, know, you would need a good reason to throw a mountain into the ocean. Uh, and, and, and so there's probably those conversations. But whatever it is, whatever it is, and, and if I'm completely wrong and what makes sense to me is God is up there going, Steve, you're such an idiot. Uh, he still loves me. Uh, but uh, it, it, no matter what, what, what is true and we can't escape is that these two men are doing the will of God as they do whatever it is they do. And as they do it, the world hates them for it. I mean, the Egyptians honored Moses, <laughs> but they feared him. I don't think they liked him, right? Uh, when they finally kicked him out, they gave them gifts and sent them on their way, but they just lost their firstborn. They did not like Moses and the Israelites. They were glad to get rid of them. They, they respected them. They honored them. They feared them, but they did not like them. The world does not like these two. And probably the world is blaming these two people for all these things that happened. It's an interesting thing if you were to read the book of Jeremiah. And I, I thought it's too big. Of, I'd have to bounce through chapters to, to show the whole thing. But the people, the people, even the Israelite people, blamed Jeremiah, blamed through Jeremiah, blamed God for the bad things that were happening uh, because they turned to God and the bad things didn't start happening. Well, the problem is they really didn't turn to God. They gave him lip service, and, and God was continuing to bring upon them the destruction that he had started. But they blamed God instead of believed in God. And, and I think that's what's happening with these guys. Uh, and then we move on to the next section where this, the beast appears to win. And it's just kind of fascinating. The, the beast comes in, and he appears to win. Chapter 11, verses 7 through 10. Um, and when they have finished their testimony... so Just get that first. When they have finished their testimony, when they have said everything God wants them to say, 
when they have done everything God wants them to do. Not a minute before. Not a day before. Right? Uh, but, but when they have finished their testimony... Um, and when they have finished their testimony, the beast that rises from the bottomless pit will make war on them and conquer them and kill them. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city that symbolically is called Sodom and Egypt, where their Lord was crucified for three and a half days. Some, of the, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them and make merry and exchange presents because these two prophets that had been a tor torment to those who dwell on the earth, uh, and, and so they're celebrating that they're gone. So when they had finished, there is no question but that what happens only happens because God allows it. And he only allows it because they have finished what he has set for them to do. The beast doesn't kill them on the first day of their testifying. The beast doesn't kill them a year and a half into it. He doesn't kill them three days earlier. He comes in and he does this at the time that God has decided and declared and determined that they are finished. And he makes war on them and kills them. And I don't have any confident idea of how this is going to work. I, I first I wrote, I don't have any idea how this is going to work. And then I thought, I'm about to throw out my ideas of how this will work. So that would be a lie. So I don't have any confident idea of how this will work. I mean, it could be very simply that he sends troops in and the troops come in and blast the guys. And they die fall down, and, and they're gone. Uh, it could be where the Antichrist puts on his big boy pants, and he goes out and he says, I'll, you know, to, to his people, I'll save the day, because he realized, and he goes in there, and he personally kills them as a hero overcoming two enemies, because that would make him look really good, and it would lead to an idea of rejoicing and ceremony. It might be Satan himself, because it says the beast that comes up from the pit Right, and, and that sounds like the devil himself. Maybe he himself will come in and do battle with these two, and they will be killed. I mean, the, the, all all possibilities at this frame, you know, they're all on the table. I don't I don't know which one makes more sense than the others. To but to mere human beings, with our limited perception, as to the child who sits down across from you at the chessboard or the checkerboard, or or uh, to arm wrestle you at the table. It looks to him like he beat you. To the world, it will look like evil. They'll call evil good and good evil. It, looks, it will look to them like their side has won. That these two have been tormenting the earth, but finally our hero had enough of that and he dealt with them. That is what it's going to look like to the world. They will celebrate. The world will rejoice in their death. Imagine the headlines that next morning. right? Imagine the headlines that next morning worldwide. Enemies of the world defeated. Champion wins. Rejoice, celebration, victory day, right? Those are the headlines that are going to be, be, be they're going to be big. They're going to be, you know, the half the fold on the, on the front page of the paper. It's going to be huge. Everybody's going to say, save this paper because we will want to have this to show to our grandchildren someday, you know, because this will be history and it will be valuable. Because, you know, how many of you have Mount St. Helens newspaper still? Yeah, because you keep those things, you know, they're, they're like, yeah, we want to have this. And, and then what's really funny is to look, to, to go through and look at the ads and the prices. <laughs> it's either funny or it's, Terrible. I don't know. It's, but but uh, the world will rejoice. Jubilant newscasters, right, will compete for the opportunity to broadcast live from the scene. 
And, and, and listen, to, listen to what it says. Listen to what it says. Because I'm going to put it together the way I think it makes sense. For three and a half days, some, of the, some from the people, this is the way my new English version reads it. For three and a half days, some from the peoples and tribes and languages and nations will gaze at their dead bodies and refuse to let them be placed in a tomb. I picture news teams lined up from the entire world to, to get their shot for their guy to stand in front of these two bodies with, with, a, with a camera and a mic. And note, you can't move them because we need our turn too. And all of a sudden we have a reason for leaving these two bodies on display. And in the meantime, what is going on around there? Well, what is today? It's the Super Bowl day, right? And, and here it's like, we don't care. It's, it's the, the Patriots and the other team that happens to be there playing them, and we hope it wins, right? I don't, it's like... <laughs> That's right. I'm not, I will say go Rams, but ask me if I like the Rams. I don't care about the Rams. I just want, and if it had been the, been the Saints, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> I'd be happy to cheer for the Saints. And, and the only team I would care about, on the news yesterday morning, we were watching, maybe it was Friday, and, and they're, they're asking the commentator, and they asked this, this one young lady who she, wish, who she picks for the Super Bowl, and she said, Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> and, and it was funny because the two other announcers looked horror stricken she doesn't get it but, but I understood exactly what she said because I would have said Seahawks <laughs> there's only one team I want there and she, she, she explained she says, I don't care about the other teams that's my team I, my team isn't there I don't care uh, but, but if we were in New England if we were in L.A., if L.A. cares, I don't know. You know. If we were fans of these teams, it would be big news. And if we were in Boston right now, the news for the last how many days has been all and only about the Super Bowl and the cold. You know, it's, it's been the focus. Everybody you know, in these places are hyped and pumped and excited, and it's the only thing they talk about, and there's a party going on all the time because they're around this big event. Guess what's happening here at the temple for these three and a half days? This is not, this is a big party. This is a big celebration. It's ticker tape, it's, it's lights, it's balloons, it's, it's, you know, noise, it's electric devices, and, you know, everything is going on there. This is a huge party celebrating what they take to be a big, clear victory. Which, by the way, tells you an awful lot of which side they're on and how much they're on that side. And they think... Imagine the things that they're thinking and saying. Because they think now that these two who have been causing all our trouble are gone, now life will be better. So they start giving gifts. Because it's easy to give gifts because you envision wealth. You know, you don't give gifts that, that because you're, you're poor and you want to give a gift anyway. You give a gift because all of a sudden you feel like you don't need it because good things are coming your way and you think these two are the ones that have been keeping you, keeping the world from peace and joy and prosperity because they don't understand where peace and joy and prosperity come from. And, and they're, they're trusting and leaning on the wrong things. And so they start giving gifts to each other and celebrating because they are so happy and so victorious and so full of joy. And it makes so much sense. Everybody is happy. They have no idea how things really work. And they rejoice because their champion has won. And then verse 11 happens. <laughs> Oops. But after three and a half days, by the way, three and a half days, I don't know what the three and a half days is about. Um, you know, is it symbolic of the three and a half years? 
Is it, because I don't know what else three and a half is symbolic of. Uh, it may just simply be how much time it takes for the last news commentator to get in there in his language. I don't know. Uh, after three and a half days, God breathes life into them. Uh, verse 11, uh, but after the three and a half days, a breath, and they have no idea they're celebrating for three and a half days. They don't know they're on a time limit. <laughs> you know, let's hurry up and get this celebration in because it's going to end in three and a half days. We know that. They don't know it. They think it's the beginning of something long-lasting. For three and a half days, a after three and a half days, a breath from, of life from God entered them, and they stood up on their feet, and great fear fell on those who saw them. Then they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, Come up here. And they went up to heaven in a cloud, and their enemies watched them. Remember Adam? That guy named Adam? Remember God made Adam? Builds a little man-shaped lump of clay. And then he gets down and he does CPR <laughs> into a lump of clay. And the lump of clay becomes life. Becomes Adam. Can death stop the giver of life? Can death keep God from winning? Can the giver of life be stopped by death? It's, it's impossible. The giver of life cannot be stopped by death. And however they killed these two, you know, if it was, if it was strangulation, if it was bullets, if it was a grenade, if it was a bomb that blew them into atoms, death cannot stop them. And it cannot stop God from being victorious over them. What he did before... He can do again. That wasn't a one-time thing that God cannot repeat. How could death stop him? And all those people rejoicing and parting and receiving, and, and those on the news like this, <laughs> broadcasting, you see behind me the two dead bodies, and the guy, the guy doesn't know that behind him the two dead bodies are getting up. <laughs> These are the bodies that were killed by our hero. <laughs> and, and, and the guy with the camera is going, <laughs> and, and uh the guy on the mic doesn't understand what's happening because it's impossible to him. But the two will rise. And, and here's a question for you. When you're in the crowd, right? And you're in the crowd and you see those two get up. And you hear that voice. That voice from heaven say, come up here. That almost sounds like dad, doesn't it? Come up here now. <laughs> That's all he says, right? Did, did I miss a word? Come up here. Exclamation point. Come up here. Come up here. You know, <laughs> work on the inflection. There's three words. Come up here. And they start going up there. What's the expression on their face? Is it, are they looking at the people down there who are going like this? Are they looking at them? Is there sadness on their face? We tried so hard. We want, is there joy on their face? I finally get to go to God. Right? It, it, it's, like I, it's like, what is overpowering what at this point? And it kind of depends on if they're looking up or looking down. And, and you know, you, you would have to be there to know. I'm pretty sure you won't be there. <laughs> You know, we don't get to know, but it, it's, it, it says a lot about these two guys. Because I think if they look up, they're looking with tremendous joy. And if they look down, they're looking with tremendous sorrow. 
And I, and I think those are the two options. I don't think they're looking, if they look down, I think they're looking down in anger. Like these stupid people, I saw you shoot me. <laughs> you know? uh, I, I don't think that's, that's in there. Uh, they're not rejoicing that this is happening. But, but I just love that voice because I think as they're going up, there's going to be a profound silence in Jerusalem. You know, you may hear crickets chirping or bird tweet or a dog barking over there, but I don't think you're going to hear any human voices at all. I think there will be a profound silence as everybody stops. Maybe you'll hear things dropping, <laughs> hitting the ground, bodies collapsing. But you won't hear any voices. The absolute silence as these two rise up and, and the voice says, come up here. And, and uh, the two will go up. And then there will be a great earthquake. Uh, and at that hour, there was a great earthquake, and a tenth of the city fell. 7,000 people were killed in the earthquake, and the rest were terrified and gave glory to the Lord of heaven. A tenth of the city will fall. We're talking about Jerusalem. There's no question of that. He, he, he makes it clear we're, we're in Jerusalem says about a tenth of the city will fall and about 7,000 people will die. And I, I did a quick Google search. The population of Jerusalem is about 760,000 people today. So let's just say a tenth of the city will fall. A per, one, ten percent of the city will fall. One percent of the city will die. Uh, that, that's that's kind, of, kind of what is going on there. And the rest are terrified and they gave glory to God. And you go, wow, that's a, that's a good ending to that. Except I don't... I, I, this is going to sound like I'm saying I don't believe scripture when I say it, except I don't believe it. But I believe it the same way I believe the people on Palm Sunday who, who on Sunday said glory to, to God in the highest, glory to him who, on the, uh, the, the son of David, and on Thursday said, or Friday said crucify him. They're impressed, but I'm not impressed. I don't think it will mean anything here. I think, I think what they're going to deal with is this is undeniable. This means their champion who they thought won didn't win. It means their side that they thought won didn't win. And it's horribly meaning, I mean, we are, this is the tipping point for the seventh trumpet and the seven bowls of wrath, which are, are you know, in my timeline take about a week for, for everything to, and I, you know, my timeline could be wrong, I don't know. So what do we do with all this? You know, how, what, what do we do with this? Besides, I mean, it's cool stuff to hear and think about. What do we do with it? Well, first, we remember that we are in a battle, and we have chosen a side. We have chosen a side in a battle. You know, we, we don't come to Christ because we want to be in a battle. But when you choose Christ, you do choose a side, and you are choosing a side of armies at war, and you, you join in that battle. And, and fighting the battle will cost. You know, it costs those two witnesses their lives. It costs them the hatred of the entire world. Right? Uh, it costs them ultimately their lives. But when I say ultimately, it more ultimately didn't cost them anything at all. <laughs> it only gained them reward. There is nothing you will ever lose standing for Christ that you will not gain back multiple times over because you did. Yeah. Let's close in prayer. Father God, I thank you.
for a victory that we can have confidence in. I thank you for this glimpse into the future, Father, to, to know that no matter how much it looks like, the enemy wins. He does not. We and you, <laughs> you with us tagging along, get the win. And we praise you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.